This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard, and alongside me, as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello. Good everybody. And uh, joining us uh, for the first time in 2023, but certainly not the last, Nick Campton. Welcome. Hey, everyone. So uh, we've had a big uh, few months off. Campo went to the World Cup. I went to the other World Cup. Mitch got married. Uh, we've just had a bunch of stuff happening. And we've not recorded this, is the, I think, the longest gap we've had without recording a podcast in the entire time the show's existed, going all the way back to the, the get around this days. Do you um, reckon even with the real off-season? Yeah, it probably so. is, actually. It's, like, been like, it's been like four and a bit months. Yeah, it's, I reckon so. But um, regardless, um, there is a quite a large change uh, coming this year. Don't fret, you will still have your podcast every week. But um, Mitchell, why don't you just explain what's going on? Well, this would be, well, last year was my last season as a regular host of NRL Boom Rookies. Uh, from this year onwards, I will be replaced by, only many could probably replace me, which sounds arrogant for me, but uh, Nick Cantor will be stepping in and, and taking over the reins in my role as the the uh, co-host slash host, whatever you want to call each other, mm. of Boom Rookies alongside Bungard. So, um, yeah, that's the, the decision I've come to over the off-season. There's been a few changes in my personal and professional life, uh, which just meant like it was best for me and the podcast that we were now separate ways. The boys have some really exciting things coming coming in the future that I couldn't be a part of based on other things. And that came after my decision. But the reality is the things that are coming for the, the fellas here weren't possible if I remained anyway. They like I couldn't have been a part of those things. So they'll be great for those guys. It'll be great for the podcast. It it sucks that I'm leaving the house that Doyle built. That's what I'll call it. But uh, but I'm leaving it in capable hands. And um, I know some of you guys will uh, you know, think that that's bad news for you guys. But I know everyone Nick Canton is their favorite co uh, co host who comes on. And I know some of you will uh probably move on because you're Broncos Bronx like me. But <laughs> I hope the rest of you find love for what the show will become, and it'll grow and it'll change, and hopefully to be better than what it was. It was um you know a I don't think anyone who listened last year could say there wasn't parts of the year that it was stale with myself and Matt. So hopefully there'll be positives moving forward. Um, it's really tough. You know, we've been doing this for what, seven years, Bungard? Yes. This is the eighth yeah. year. I think it's the eighth season. Yeah. Going from, as you said, get around this recording it in your like lounge room, but first in your study, the first time we recorded the software we had, we had <laughs> to rec- and with the mics we had, it was so we bad had to record. And, with the way computers worked, we had to record in 10 minute blocks and cut them back together. Cause if we didn't record in 10 minute blocks, even though we spoke at the same time, our mics somehow for some reason, they lost computers worked, they, synchronization. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't sync. We had to do that. Went from doing that in Bungard's little tiny study, little, little sweatshop. I'm quite hot right now. Reprehensible guests on the show <laughs> uh, through to, uh, you know what, what it's going to be this year, what it's become over the years, the big community we've had, yeah, the change we've gone through, and what it'll continue to grow into this year. So it's 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 tough moving on, but I think it's best for everyone involved that that I do. I'll still come on throughout the year. Uh, Bunga will take you through some of the changes. I'll still definitely come on, still do some Broncos gronking, but yep. you won't be hearing from me every week anymore. Yeah, so I mean, we're giving you editor at large status. So exactly. um, basically, a couple of us in the in the country, <laughs> mate. Only a couple. 
Um, so remove the stone of Broncos Gronks and attach the stone of Canberra Gronks, uh, Campo. Um, so I'm sure most people listening to this know all about you. You've been on the show a lot. People love having you on. But uh, I mean, just give us a quick sort of overview of where, where you're at and sort of what what, what we're going to be doing together this year from, from your point of view. What are you going to be bringing? Uh, well, just the, the idea of Mitch leaving and me coming in, um, it fills me with a mixture of like sadness and excitement, which is good because Canberra make me feel that way every single week. You know what I mean? Like it's switching between we're so fucking back and this absolutely sucks. So I feel like I'm in my natural habitat here. But, yep. but on, a, on, a, on a serious level, Mitch sort of mentioned to me a little bit over the off season that, you know, he was thinking of stepping away because things had changed for him and that. And um, my first reaction was, was, was sadness because before I was, you know, on the show a little bit or even before I became mates with you guys, I was just a fan you know, and I was sad that that part of the show was ending or that time of the show was ending because it's just been a really big part of my life. You know, it, it's it's how I met both you guys and now you two are two of my best friends and it's how I met a lot of the people that I'm really, really close to now. So I'm sad that that, that, that part of the show is coming to an end, but I'm also really excited and and pretty pretty soaked that to, to be asked to to keep carrying it on, you know, because I, mm. I do love this show and I love the community that it's built and, you know, it's, it's really, really important to me. So I'm, I'm really excited. I, I, I don't want people to think that it will be the exact same thing because it won't because while, you know, Mitch is leaving and I'm coming in, I can't replace Mitch. You know, he's, I, I think, I think he's the only person in the world that knows more about footy than I do. So I can't hundred percent step into his shoes. It will be a little bit different, but I think it'll be a lot of the same sort of stuff that you guys have come to know and love over the past eight years, just maybe with a little bit of a different, a different bent, you know, maybe a little bit of a lime green filter instead of a maroon gold and white one. But yeah, um, yeah I'm sad to see Mitch go, but it's not goodbye forever. Like he'll be back all the time. I, I'm kind of thinking of it as, um, so I was on the, I've been on the show a lot. I was probably on it the most of anyone who wasn't a regular host. Mm-hmm. And now Mitch will go into that role, it- I assume. So me and Mitch are kind of just, trading places so it's not good it's not good why forever for old md you'll still be around a lot and i'm the mad hatter just screaming change places (laughs) arbitrarily no you said that same thing at my wedding campo and i think i said to you after it that i know more you think i know more about footy than you and i think the reverse of you but then i think we agreed on we know different things yeah (laughs) i think i think think it was about 2 a.m and i think that's that's where we landed finally we landed and yeah nothing and every decision made it to aim is a good one as we've learned that's true activity in the game and that's that's where we landed and you only, I do get, think... you only get smarter when it gets later people don't want you to know this yeah yeah and uh of our you know more hardcore fans obviously the there's not majority i think they are the majority the biggest fan base obviously is the broncos fans that listen to this show but i do think we have a weird amount of raiders fans we do which helps so uh you know we've got like more than 10 of them that's a lot of raiders <laughs> fans <laughs> That'll be exciting for them. But, uh, you know, hopefully you guys will do some cool stuff this year that won't obviously just be tied to the yeah. footy teams you support as well. And uh, No. Um, exciting and- change. He said, don't keep it. Like, you would never keep keep it the same than me leaving. We've all listened to other podcasts. That sucks. You've got to put your own stamp on this stuff. Don't keep it as the Mitch, what I did. You know, you do your yeah. own stamp. Be the Mick, Nick Canton of the show. Not the and, um, yeah, as Mitch hinted at, we do have some other announcements coming soon, which we can't um, talk about yet. But um, there is some exciting things to come. But I did want to run the listeners through sort of a little bit of how we'll be changing things up this year. Um, So I guess for me, one of the things that we've really, uh, that I think we 
have really done a good job of doing over the last couple of years is building up that community of of not just listeners but patrons of the show, supporters of the show, and and, and with that in mind, and with with the way a couple of things are changing going forward, um, we will still be giving every listener two shows a week, but it will be they will be coming on Mondays in the form of, of a review show, uh, looking back on the Friday games onwards uh, with some other news and other moments of the week kind of stuff. And then also a preview show on Fridays, which will recap the Thursday night game. Cause I mean, I always personally thought that it was a bit silly when we were like talking about a game from a Thursday night on a Tuesday night, like it was almost a full week later. And so, and that game is usually quite a big game. Like it's, it's always two good teams playing in that Thursday night slot a lot of the time. So, um, so we will now be doing a second show on Fridays where we'll be talking about any midweek news, uh, looking ahead to the weekend because um, we don't do a lot of preview stuff usually, but we'll be doing a little bit more of that this year and also wrapping up that Thursday game, um, which means that um, the Question Time show will still be coming every week, but we are going to be making that a Patreon-only podcast. Um, there's a couple of reasons behind that, some of which will come apparent later, but one of the main ones is that we felt that we weren't giving those loyal fans enough in terms of extras, um, certainly not as much as we would have liked, um, certainly last year. Uh, in terms of bonus shows and things like that. Um, and obviously the question time thing is a little bit more referential than the main show in, in the sense that there are a couple more in-jokes. It is a sort of a, a little bit more of a sort of like insular kind of thing. Um, and so, yeah, if you're, a, if you're a patron of the show, good news for you is that you'll be getting three shows a week now instead of two. And if you're not a patron, um, you will still be getting two shows a week. Uh, in addition to that, we'll be giving you some more Greatest Games uh, episodes and some other ideas that I've got later on in the season as well. But um, uh, stay tuned uh, for more on that front. Um, uh, Mitch, is there anything else you'd like to say in terms of a uh, goodbye before we get into the rest of the show? Not really. I mean, I think Cam touched on some of it too. This, this was obviously a big part of me. And it's pretty much been, you know, outside of what you do nine to five, it's been the other biggest element of my life, you know, before I met Anastasia. And then when I had Anastasia as well, it was still the other bigger, biggest element of my life. Um, we built a really good community. We put a lot in here. We went from talking about just footy to, you know, speaking about, I spoke about Anna's visa in here. We bitched about coronavirus lockdown laws. We've got political. We've gone into all different elements and people have stayed with us or gone against us in that time. But, We've developed really a good community that we've had meetups with at Magic Around a couple of times. And, you know, just appreciate people listening for, for that long and then thinking that whatever me and Bungard had to say on about Rugby League was worth their time, uh, which is obviously the more important thing than the money. Like the money, money is something, but, you know, you can give two bucks a month and not notice lyrics a month, but time is something you don't, you don't get back. And people gave us two to three hours a week of their life for, six or seven years i saw people someone last year listened to us pretty much every episode we had more than once when they showed us the spotify uh what is it called the spotify unwrapped Raps, and Raps, obviously yeah. i reported that man to the police but <laughs> after that i really like don't listen to anyone that that's too much but uh you know that's what we mean to people and i'm the voice inside everyone's head and i know not everyone listens to this show to me they're not not my friends which i'm not trying to make a shot at them but it's they probably see me as one of theirs, you know. They, they hear me, they know, they know my personality, they know who I am, and I thank everyone for for giving me that opportunity to be that person in their lives. And it, and it sucks that I won't be that person moving forward, but you know, that's it is what it is. For some things in in my life that I'm not going to get into, that I'll, that I'll keep private. This, this, at some point, this was always going to have to happen, unfortunately, for um, me to move forward in a few things. And unless the podcast became full time, and it and it obviously didn't, so that that's it is what it is. Um, I'm sad to be moving on. Happy in some elements. We'll probably 
appreciate not having to talk about the Gold Coast Titans in round 20. <laughs> like uh, I, I'm going to call you up specifically for like the worst game of the week every week when we're doing oh reviews. That almost should be a segment. Dolphins, <laughs> Dolphins, <laughs> Dolphins 8, Warriors 22. Thoughts? Yeah. And uh, also won't miss having to try and care about all the off-field stuff that everyone else seems to get angry about all the time. I'm just not angry about it. Just, that is... like Those footy players are just other young fellas making mistakes. And a lot mm. of it I just don't care about anymore. Like I can't muster the anger for those things anymore. So hopefully Nick Canton can. Hopefully he can cast out well, those no, scoundrels. I am, I, am, I, am well no- I am well known for my anger. <laughs> yeah, you are, You're well known. That's, that's 100% my deal. Yeah, yeah. Ban, ban them all, mate. That's all I know. <laughs> ban them all and let God sort them out. I just can't yeah, believe... So, um, Canberra Raiders stalwart Jack White and would be such a bad influence on Sweet Latrell Mitchell. So, Break yeah. out the puffer jacket. He's so thanks lesson. everyone for uh, yeah the time we've spent together over the years, uh, and hopefully you'll keep spending time with Bungard and Campo moving forward. I hope so too. And of course, this is not goodbye forever. You'll be on the show once this year. But also, not. don't message me. My DMs are closed. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, all right. Um, do you want to talk about a little bit of the news that's happened over the past week or so before we get out of here? Sure. Um, the big story, of course, is I just sort of joked about um, Latrell Mitchell and, and Jack White and got into a little bit of trouble. Did you guys read the story that came out earlier today that the police gave up on using the proper handcuffs because Latrell Mitchell's wrists were too big? And so they had to get like the things with like the flexi tape thing to actually handcuff him because he's so large. That was my main takeaway from this story because the rest of it just does seem like a little bit of an overreaction. It does already feel like the focus of it has shifted away from them and onto over-policing, Nick. I don't know what your interpretation is of that situation. Yeah, that was kind of the the mail that was coming out about it as soon as as, as Sunday morning, that this wasn't uh, as serious as, as maybe the charges made it sound. And I do think that just because... I do think it's been blown a little bit out of proportion already just because Latrell Mitchell's involved and because he's the most famous player in rugby league at the minute, you know, and I, I can't, I can't summon the energy to go for the torches and the pitchforks on this one. You know, that's just Jack White's probably a little bit too old to be getting wrapped up in something like this. He is 30. He does have a couple of kids like, but you know, dad, I hate to, I hate to hide behind boys will be boys, but this does strike me as a boys will be boys type situation. You know, there was a Brent Reed wrote a piece about this earlier today and he gave one detail where apparently Latrell Mitchell was going to be taken away and put in the drunk tank for the night. And the coppers told Whiten to beat it. And Whiten said, well, if you're taking him, you're taking me too. So that's how he, that's how he ended up there, you know? So I, you know, it's not a, it's not, it's not a, it's not a great look, but it's not the worst thing in the world. You know, I, I, I just hope that we can all move on from this one pretty quick. I, I hope so too. Um, I mean, it's been so long since we we've talked. I mean, there's a bunch of stories that have happened that have pretty much come and gone. Um, in in the time since we last spoke, I'm just trying to think of the ones that are worth talking about. I mean, uh, the the sharks went from having like a thousand fullbacks to basically losing all of them in the space of a couple of days. I mean, if if now something happens to Will Kennedy with the losses of Lockie Miller and Kate Dykes Camper or Mitch, where um, what do you guys see them doing? And have they sort of? I guess I just I just want to call out. I did I did have reports that you ended your shark simping on SEN Radio over this this break. You. What do you mean you had reports? You could did you what? You mean you listened to it? No, I didn't listen. Nobody, I've heard, I've had to reports. Don't be ridiculous. No, no. no. You, you were dobbed in, and, uh, and uh, that you are uh, you you were put the sharks out of your eight. So. I, I no, I was asked controversial. No, I was asked 
uh, which teams you could see most likely dropping out of the eight and for whom. And I said Canberra and Cronulla were probably the most likely, but I have not done my eight yet, and I don't think I'll be dropping we, them out of you it. You were born so. right and off Canberra, but... but the <laughs> well, <shark is>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that goes without saying. It's, but, funny. Uh, it's, funny with the, it's funny with the Sharks because... I don't know what they'll do if if Will if Will Kennedy's out. Like maybe they'll do something absolutely nuts, like moving Hines back to fullback because they just don't have mm. they don't have anybody else who's sort of NRL experienced at the back at all. But I I don't think the Sharks are a hundred percent on Will Kennedy as their long term guy mm-hmm. because I feel like every single off season there's a story that comes up about some other player who's going to come in and 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 take Kennedy's spot and really sort of seize the day, you know? Like, as even in 2021, when Kennedy got the close player of the year and had an absolutely fabulous season, all the talk through the preseason was about how good how good Connor Tracy had been over the summer and how he was going to take the spot. And, you know, it was a little bit the same last year with Lockie Miller and it was a little bit the same this year with Kay Dykes before he went down. So I don't know what it is, but I feel like the Sharks aren't 100% in on Will Kennedy as, as, as their long-term guy. Maybe they see him as... The bridge to something better, but I'm I'm not convinced that he's he's their man forever and ever. Yeah, it's a tough well, one, yeah. and he, he's a really tough player to analyze. I think he was fantastic a couple of seasons ago, but he has a l- plateaued a little bit in terms of form, especially last year. I didn't really see him take another step up, and whether that's just because the fullback position is so deep and there are so many good fullbacks, I don't, I'm not sure. But it is a tricky one because every time I watch him play, I think he's good. But like, if you are sort of Looking at the full list of fullbacks that are in the NRL right now, I mean, it's it's tough to make a case for him being in sort of like the top half. It's sad that I have to leave the podcast when the Broncos haven't got Tessie New, Jermaine Asako, or Darius <laughs> fullback. And I can finally say <laughs> we're out of that doldrums. But I think but the answer now, to the now question you can, now you Nick, can ramp you can ramp your Reese Walsh trutherism up to like truly deranged levels, okay, like holding uh, signs on the side of the road and. Shit like that, like just really step step it up a gear. Get out of the audio medium and just oh, get into like man. the lunatic medium. I, I tell you what, that Broncos twenty twenty three side could be one of the sexiest sides assembled of all time. By the way, put that on, put that on your your new show, mate. You got to rank the sexiest ten, top ten of the <laughs> history, mate. But mate, adding Reese Walsh to Jordan Ricky already. Tomorrow Martin was a big loss, but that's a good looking team. Footy, let's not talk about looks. <laughs> 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 But I do think the answer to Will Kennedy getting injured is you throw Ronaldo Militalo's anger at it and just see what happens. Angry his way out of fullback. It'll be fine. I like it. I like it. He might. He, <laughs> it might not work, but he'll break some things along the way. And in the end, isn't that what this is all about? If anyone's ever going to come off the back fence returning kicks at fullback again, it's going to be him. Oh, man, it's been too long. Eh? We haven't had like a special K-type kick returner in <laughs> far, far too long. Do you remember that? Remember years ago when Vunavali was returning a kick? And just like tried to flying knee someone in the face. Yes. Like I could see crazy Ron doing things like that. Like running up to the defensive line, throwing the ball away and just like belting someone. Just like really just, letting them have it. You just not understand. Like, yeah, Vudivali did it because he just didn't understand what he was going to do. He was angry and he was coming back hard and yeah. that's it. He lost control. But yeah, they have got a serious problem there now. Like, is it yeah. um Iroh who'll step in? Maybe. Kyle well, he's, I think he's. I think he's more of a. He's more of a center winger than a fullback, isn't yeah. he? I saw him a little Connor bit Tracy. in the World Cup. I think it'd be Tracy now that I've yeah. let it ruminate a little bit. He, he, but like that's how they solve their problems in the back line, isn't it? Just like throw Connor Tracy at it. He is versatile. Let, he is. Man, he can play everywhere. Can play for anywhere from one to seven. So I guess he's their. He's their first drop winger, first drop center, first drop fullback now. So if anything goes wrong, they'd want him to uh, step into the breach pretty quickly. 
Yeah, and and Mitch, you talked about uh, not being able to in, enjoy the Broncos without some of those maligned players. Would the prospect of Brody Croft returning to the NRL not at the Broncos be enough to pull you back in full time? I tell you what, that was um the transfer fee. That is audacious asking for a Brody Croft transfer fee, but they they did it. They asked for one. Him lobbing up at the Dragons, I don't know. Like, is this is this not a former Bronco they wouldn't sign? Yeah, it's bizarre. Like, it honestly does write itself at this point. It's 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 kind of like that old joke about, oh, uh, this guy's going to go win the Man of Steel. It, it, it we're now at the point now where any any Broncos player is released or is looking for a new club, you're like, oh, Hook will give him a go, and that just keeps on happening. They are yeah, weird. It's like a decade ago. It's, it's so weird. <laughs> How old was Brody Croft when Anthony Griffin left the Broncos? Was he <laughs> seven or something? Like, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I, but I love it. It's just there's a man who's just never gotten over not being the Broncos coach anymore. I mean, he, he hasn't. Like- co- he hasn't coached them in a decade, so Brody Croft would like have been fifteen. Yeah, fifty good ex former former Penrith players rolling around the comp. None doesn't of want them. Doesn't <laughs> want them. <laughs> well, he can't get any of those because the Bulldogs take all of them. It's very true. That but story, even like, if the, he wouldn't want them anyway if he could. That storyline's been really interesting to me because, on one hand, I don't care at all about <laughs> juniors. No, like I, I, I've always hated the. Oh, they're buying the comp. It's like, yeah, that's how you win. You, you, you also, buy good you, players. But doing it with juniors, you just bought it at an earlier age. Yeah, like they, they, it's in money invested and in like the Penrith spent their money on the junior system, and people act like that's not buying the comp. It is. Yeah, it's just buying the comp <laughs> at different levels, and also like, and, and you know, don't get too in the weeds. The fact that like the argument for juniors is dumb in the first place because some places like Melbourne and the Roosters literally don't have a junior catchment area, so of course they have to buy players from elsewhere. It is funny because the Bulldogs were the club that prided themselves on being bred, not bought, and their fans are very sensitive when you say that as like a joke. Now they're they're on the warpath looking for arguments, but yeah, I mean they've they've snapped up. It's Stephen good to Crichton. see they inherited that from Penrith as well. That, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I um, mean, it feels like that's also the Bulldogs' land. Though they own that land, they were the first people internet forums ripping people to shreds. Bulldogs fans back in the nineties. Oh man, <laughs> that's the thing. That's the there's been a couple of sad things about the dogs sort of fall from grace in the last few years. But one of the big ones is they were the preeminent lunatic internet term. <laughs> like there were some absolute freaks out there that were just coming coming from the hills whenever the dogs were doing anything, whenever they're doing any good at all. And with them just like getting the spoon and not being anywhere for so long now, there was nothing to fight for. But like they're back. All the all the, the freaks are out for war, man. Like you got to be careful out there. Yeah, it, it, it's truly bizarre. Um, but, I mean, they, they have signed Stephen Crichton since the last time we spoke. I think that's a good signing. I still don't really feel like it solves their fullback issue, which continues to... Fester, I mean, he never, to me, set the world on fire playing fullback for Penrith, um, and he's going to go into a situation it's where it's great. where it's like he's going to a less uh, less comfortable situation at the Bulldogs. Like he's not going to ha- be playing behind that Penrith pack that's winning the forward battle every week. Uh, well, he kind of is. They've signed half the team, but um, yeah, it's it's still weird, right? Because they keep signing all these class players, but I mean, you can win a comp without a rock solid number one or a rock solid number seven, but it, it's really really difficult to do it without either. And they're still, to me, the two biggest question marks for that team. I think they've sold number one, personally. Like, I don't know. I feel like we we fall in love with these players and fall out of love with them really fast. And like two years ago, everyone wanted to sign Stephen Crichton to be their fullback. And now nobody wants to. And they're like, oh, I don't know if he's going to be good there. It's like when he's played at Penrith, he's filled in 
in patches. When he goes to the Bulldogs, he'll be the number one. There'll be no competition for his jersey. It's his jersey. He's a talented young young player. What does he play in like how many grand finals in a row at twenty two? Obviously, of it's a team all sport, of the grand finals. All the grand finals, pretty much. But what he scored in three in a row, like some ridiculous stat like that. I don't remember what it is, but like you know, he at this age, like he'll go over to the Bulldogs at like twenty three years old with a lot of good football behind him already and a lot of it ahead of him. And I think he'll be great at number, number one. I think it's a great get. And I think they put, sound like they probably got a better deal than they would have got on him a year or two ago because the market wasn't what it was. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you, Mitch, though. I think he'll be a success over there. Just from a, like a technical level, there was a game that, Bungard, do you remember it? Well, first week of the finals in 2021. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. Panthers played Souths and That's, South yeah. scored the big upset. And Dylan Edwards was out with that foot injury and Crichton was playing fullback. And he ended up running for about 200 and something metres from 20-odd carries, and he was really, really effective. He scored a try and looked really good. The only thing was in the last 10 minutes, you could tell that like he just didn't have the miles in his legs and he started to slow down a little bit. So I think once he has an off-season training to be a fullback and doing a little bit more running and sort of mm-hmm. changing his body a little bit to fit the men to that position, I just think he'll be really successful. And I think he, like we all know he's a really skillful player as well. And I think that's what they'll that's what they'll need from him. We know he can carry the ball well, but we want to see more of that skill, more of that passing. And I think he, I think they're expecting him to have a little bit of a kicking game as well. Yeah, right. right. We know he kicks well from the tee. And he banged that mm-hmm. drop goal in the World Cup. He's clearly a very coordinated player. So if you can add a little bit of a kicking game to what he's got going on as well, I'm really excited to see what he can bring. And there is still a question mark at halfback, and there will be until they sign Mitchell Moses or this child soldier from the Broncos turns out to be awesome. Or whatever. <laughs> but in the in the interim, right, think about it. I know nobody is, is really that high on Kyle Flanagan. And Mitch, you've mm-hmm. never been high on him, even when he was back in that really good Sharks 20s team that only lost one or two games all season. At the time, Mitch, I remember, because he was putting up lots of points, and I sort of rang you up, and I was like, mate, what's going on with this guy? And you said, I don't really know, but you said he, he goes good when there's a lot of good players around him. And what's happening mm. at the Bulldogs is they're putting a lot of good players around Kyle Flanagan. So maybe he's not going to be the guy that takes you deep into the finals or wins your premiership, but I think he's got it in him to be capable when there's a lot of blokes around him who are doing their job. You know, so if that's all they need from Flanagan and then Burton and Marnie and Crichton are more going to be their guys, maybe they can get away with that mm. for a little while until they find their find their superstar, until they find their franchise guy. I still like, I mean, and we can get into this more on the Bulldogs preview, but like, I still do think there are a couple of players away, both in the backs and the forwards. Um, and with Flanagan, it's tough because like, you know, he's, you don't really like, it's, 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 he's just been completely in the, in the, in the firing line since he came into first grade. Um, you know, anytime he's in and out of the team is just a dominant story in, in, in the media. And, but to me, it's like, if you're not going to be like, if you can't shine in that Roosters team, then like, what are we doing here realistically? And I don't really know who the Bulldog, like regardless of who the Bulldogs signed, their team is not going to be as good as those Roosters teams were a couple of years ago. So yeah, to me, I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens with them, but, um, yeah, Crichton's obviously a cracking signing. I'm not sure about him at fullback, but he is a class player regardless of where he plays, and they've just continued to to nail those so far. And yeah, if they do get Mitchell Moses, I think you could yeah, you really make room, mate. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I said I think it was a pretty commonly held opinion among us and among other people we talked about the Bulldogs. It was sort of like even last year when people were getting a little bit hyped up on them, we all kind of thought 2024 was the year that was really going to be when they sort of hit lift off if you like and i mean yeah they're they're one more big signing away from i think well, doing I mean, that i don't know like it's it's one of those things in rugby league for fair and it always does my head in it you know mm-hmm. where i sit like 
firstly, we always overhype our own club's juniors or we always have expect the world out of them. But the guys who we don't know about who get given a decent contract, every single one of them, we shit on the contract. That's back to Kalen Ponga. That's true. That's Payne Haas. That's Carl Oapu right now going to the Bulldogs. And people looked at the transfer fee and were like, oh, great, Broncos got some money. Firstly, as a Brisbane fan, the money doesn't go to my pocket. I don't care. Like, the money doesn't go any... We can't use... The Broncos can't use it for any advantage. It's cool. They got, at least they forced money for him. But you've got to think, how much talent do, do they think he has? Firstly, Brisbane put that transfer fee on him. Secondly, the Bulldogs to pay that. They didn't buy him for that and sign him and put him in the top 30 this year to not play first grade football in the next year or two. Correct. So, and he, uh, but coming through that he'd been a six and at the uh, one of the, the um, one of the school carnivals last year when he got player of the tournament, he played five, 13, but he filled in because it was another good six and he was good enough to go play 13. And he was a player of the tournament there, Carl. Don't know if he'd be a seven in first grade or that soon, but. I think that's one of the signings that we talk about in the Euro suit time. And yeah. No one, you can't get the money back. It, Brisbane bungled that one, obviously, if you saw it. He wasn't going to play for them again. They got what they could out of it. But, like, that's a really good young player they've signed. And I think we'll be hearing a lot more about him in the coming years. Yeah, you're right, mate. It's like, it, like honestly, like, I saw people tweeting, say, oh, good business for the Broncos. And it's like, why? We, it's a salary-capped league. Like, what, <laughs> what, that money doesn't benefit the team in any way, shape, or form. Like, transfer fees are really... Honestly, with with the way the sport is funded, especially six figure transfer fees are a drop in the ocean. And you know, I don't think I would have felt any happier about leave, losing Joseph Suwali two or three two years ago if we if Seattle had got half a million dollars for it. Another as well. contract we shut on, but yeah, and uh, and that's like you're gonna have like an extra tub of Gatorade at the home games and go, boys, this one's on Carl. <laughs> <laughs> he might have carved this up out there, but. We got that's two right, tubs it's of grape too. It's the nice one. <laughs> grape, is, grape is pretty great. We couldn't afford that before that transfer fee. So, <laughs> sure, he's the best player in the cob or whatever he's going to be. But it's like, I'm not saying he's going to be that. But yeah, uh, the players are never cheaper than that deal. And I also no. think part of people worry about Stephen Crichton getting overpaid by the Bulldogs. I don't know what he's getting, but if he's on 800 or whatever and ends up being one of the, one of the better fullbacks around, he's never cheaper than that. And the cap's going up. So, yeah. Like well, I think that's good business. We always seem to worry about these things, and like the overpaid player in the competition is not the good player. It is correct. the average player who makes five hundred k. It, it, it's some middle forward that you find out is making seven hundred thousand dollars a year to play twenty five yeah. minutes off the bench. You're like, and you go, yeah, oh. you're like, like, oh, okay, <laughs> and he wants a pay raise. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's not these guys. You, you, you're right, mate. Because yeah. If this guy turns out to be bad, then so what? The the money's off the cap in a couple of years anyway, and they lose five. That's 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 twenty minutes of pokies at Canterbury League's club. They've carried way, way, way worse contracts the last few years of Bulldogs. They have every team has cap carries a dude on a lot of money they're not playing. Every team does, mm-hmm. but those are the stump throws. You take them when they're young, and if it works out, it you're, you're cheering because you've got this young player locked up on a decent deal that you'll just never get again. Yep. Um. All right. Um. And Ryan Pappenhausen's gone to see the hamstring whisper in, in, in America. I do love these stories. I mean, I don't really know what to make make of the whole situation because people do shit on this and be like, oh, well, how can he be any better than anyone else? But, uh, I mean, it did work for Latrell Mitchell. He did look pretty great when he came back. And whether that's just a coincidence, I don't know, but we'll see. I mean, if, if Tom Tavoyevic never gets hurt again, then I think that that can basically settle the science that this guy knows something that nobody else does. Wait. But um, Well, from talking to Americans... They would be the best at 
Like Terrick Henry would is better than Leo, Leo Messi if he played football. That's right? true. That's you, we all know that. <laughs> Pappenhausen only needs a month over there, mate, to be better than anyone over here. That's mm. all, that's what I know. <laughs> that's what, all it what is. What worried me about that is in the weeks before Pappenhausen left, and they said he still hadn't started running running again. Mm. Like that injury that he suffered against the Raiders was a long, long time ago now. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't it wasn't a hamstring. It was it was a cracked a cracked kneecap. Which I'd only heard of happening in footy once before to James Tedesco back in like 2014, I think it was. And Teddy was able to come back and be and be and be stronger after that. But I don't know if I was if I was a Melbourne fan, I'd be a little bit concerned about Pappenhausen because this is I think it's now three years out of the last four where he's been in first grade and his body just hasn't just hasn't held up to the rigors, you know. And you can put that down to bad luck, but. You know, what do they say? The best ability is availability, mm. you know? And the, the, the one year he was there for the whole season, they won the comp. Mm. But, you know, they've really bet big on him working out because, you know, Hines had to go and they've had to really prioritise who are their guys and they've really thrown it all at that spine. And if one of them drops out, all of a sudden things are looking really, really shaky for him. So... I don't know. If I was a Melbourne fan, I'd be doing voodoo curses. I'd be praying to pagan gods. I'd be sacrificing lambs. I'd be doing whatever it took to get that fella back on the field and healthy again. And it's a tough one as well, because I think as far as like the game's top players go, he's about as pace reliant as they come. And I'm not really sure if he's the kind of guy who can reshape his game in the way that other players had to when they lost that yard of pace, especially still so relatively young when you compare him to other, other, other top players in those spine positions. So yeah, it's, that's an interesting storyline. They're a really interesting team this year at the Storm. And again, we'll get to them properly in the preview show. But they're they're just a team that like I really just can't get a read on. Like the, you could you could really pick them to finish anywhere from first to like eighth, the second, and, maybe third. Yeah, they're, they're well, I'm still picking. I'm still picking them top four. The, but I they're can... stretching the best parts of themselves really, really thinly. Mm. And the yeah. the trouble when you do that, it's mainly did that for a lot of years as well. Mm. When Tom Trebojevic first came into first grade and it was uh, sort of him, Cherry, Jake Trebojevic and Marty Tapao, and they were the four best players and they lent really heavily on them. But what happens then is if one of them drops out, all of a sudden you're relying on somebody that you don't really want to rely on every single week. It was what un- it was what undid him against Canberra in the final last year. You know, yeah. So it's, it's great on paper what they've got, but like one guy does a hamstring, one guy does a calf, one guy gets suspended for six weeks and all of a sudden shit's going very awry. Yeah, they're yeah. not they're not the behemoth in terms of depth that they were. Yeah, I don't think they'll miss um Felice or Kenny, even though Kenny was so good for them last year. I just think they'll have Ellie Katoa and uh Jack Howell step in there. Maybe they'll do that stuff on a sofa Solomon to play some gap periods on the edge as well. But like you take out Christian Welch and boy that middle gets thin real fast. Doesn't like real fast now. And, and, and you know, Tui Kamakamitha had a pretty solid year last year. They obviously expect him to be better. Again, Sova Solomon, we mentioned, but Brandon Smith was, again, another big loss. They're, that's a quality player. Like when they're missing spine players for forever, they've had someone really quality step in. That's not there anymore. Like Nick Meany gets back to fullback without Pappenhausen. And he's, he's okay. But forever, they've always had this like one good leftover, and that's just not there anymore. But that's a problem for the previews, you said. But I think yeah. this will be good. Uh, oh, I still, how about I still, people I still, saying though? Yeah, with Tommy think, saying like, "Move on from Tommy again." It's so funny. I love that. Put him in the centers. It's like I, I would totally get it right if the injuries showed any sign on Tommy Dvorovic, but he's proven now pretty much he's on the pitch. He's one of the best players on the pitch. He's never really struggled to come back. He's always when he's come back, mm-hmm. he's always been good from day one. 
around yep. like the middle of January every year, yeah. we've been, everybody has been without footy long enough that people start going loopy and people yeah. just start like spitting the, the wildest shit you've ever heard in your life just because all we do over the entire off season is talk ourselves in circles. So that's how you end up with people on radio saying that Tom Trebojevic should either leave Manly or play in the centres. Or you end up mm. people saying, oh, Brizzy, you know, getting this transfer fee, what a steal, this is unbelievable. Or you, get, or you get things like, oh, you know, Jack White and Latrell Mitchell should be suspended forever for a little dust up. You know, like we, I think we all really need some footy back. We're all, we're all like, we're all just sort of getting lost in our own heads at the minute. This is we yeah. are entering the the sort of the worst period of the year for us is when there's no NFL and the NRL has not come back yet. It's the, oh, it's the preseason challenge. <laughs> How exciting! It's Do you true. remember when you were a boy running around playing footy and you were like, "What a dream it would be." To win the preseason challenge uh, with a well-timed uh, offload. You won't believe this, Nick, but when I was a young South fan with nothing to hope for, I actually did care about winning the Charity Shield. Well, the, the Charity Shield was different because those first couple of years when South came back, it was a big deal. It was. Just because they were back playing again. Sold out. Scott but like, ni- like 1999, Bungard didn't give a shit about the Charity Shield, did he? No, that's that's actually a great point. Yeah. I cared when Daryl Tricky Trindle was suspended for seven weeks in one of the greatest fastest in NRL history. The seven-part true crime investigation. That's actually the, one of the side projects I'm working on. The many injustices. The Trindle Swindle by Matt Bungard. Upon my my dear friend Tricky Trindle, that will uh, <laughs> that will be a top tier Patreon exclusive. He hasn't really uh, been in good nick lately, has he? Old no, trip? he hasn't. He hasn't been doing great. Um, before we go, I mean, we haven't had a podcast since. How was how was the World Cup? Yeah, mate, it was great. It was really great. I um. I think like all of us, I've always sort of had a real soft spot for English rugby league and the 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 culture of footy over there. Um, and this was my first time really experiencing it. Like I'd been to England before on, you know, different holidays or whatever, but I'd never ever been up north and I'd never been to any like the the real rugby league towns. And what really stood out to me is that is is, is just how old it all feels. And I mean that in the best possible sense, even when you go to the newer stadiums, like so even when there was a semi-final at um, Arsenal's stadium or there was another semi-final at Ellen Road. Um, or when you go to even somewhere as small as like the Lee Sports Village, which is Lee's new stadium, it still all has the same sense of history. You can really feel that this is a rugby league place and this has been a rugby league place for a really long time. The Arsenal Stadium is not a great example of that now that I think about it. But when you go to those smaller grounds, that is that is a really palpable sense of what's going on. And, I think because rugby league in England has been sort of on the ropes for a really long time now, everyone who's involved in it really, really loves it. And that passion really came through a lot of the time, every, everywhere you went, you know, even if the games were shit and it was really big blowouts. And even if the tournament maybe wasn't as well organized as it probably could have been at times, that passion always came through. And to me, that, that was the, the thing that really, really stood out, you know, that and, and the atmosphere when the, when the games really got big, you know, it, it was a bit of a slog at the start, with um, with all the blowouts, like let's not kid ourselves, it wasn't great to watch, and a lot of it wasn't great to cover. But once things got into top gear, once we got into the quarters, and we had like that Samoa Tonga game, like that's something I'll remember for the rest of my life. The semi-finals, the same, the final at Old Trafford with sixty-eight thousand people, like the, the an entire part of the city shut down just to, to 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 watch this to watch a rugby league game that really did feel like the center. The, the center of the sporting world for me on that day, you know, it, it, it made the world cup feel big and important in a way that I think international rugby league can struggle to sometimes. So it was a really great experience. Like as it, like professionally and personally, I just it really loved every second of it. 
Mm. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Um, yeah, I think I think it was a great. I mean, it was unfortunate for audiences down here that the time differences weren't great for a lot of the games, but I really do hope that it does have some sort of residual effect in growing the game in other areas because I think that that is we've talked about a million times that's the biggest gap in the sport is is international level rugby league and it really, really well over there hey did it huge. that's good it yeah. did it did and there was this is anecdotal evidence but there was a buzz sort of around the place as well particularly with england and particularly with with victor radley victor radley was was one of the biggest sports stories in the country for the three and a half weeks i was there over are. there like people could not get enough of him there was a game where they played greece Right, they played Greece in Sheffield, where Radley's dad is from, and England put ninety points on them or whatever. It wasn't competitive at all, but they got a, they got a, a really healthy crowd there. It rated really well on BBC on the on the BBC. They interviewed Radley's dad at halftime when he was clearly like seventy beers deep. I think he swore on TV. <laughs> I saw that. It was a that was great. so good. So I think that just really shows that you know rugby league in England. It can it can still it can still be great. It can still get back to where it used to be. It just needs the stars to do that. And build like making stars over there is really is really difficult for them just because rugby league isn't really a top tier domestic sport for them. So getting someone like Radley really flipped the script for them and it really changed the game, you know. And even though it didn't end how they wanted that final against that game in, um, against Samara, I think it was the highest rated rugby league game in England for twenty odd years or something like that. Yeah, right. So even if England lose, that was a huge huge audience that tuned in and saw one of the one of the great test matches ever played like the last 10 minutes of that i'll remember it for the rest of my life you know and there's no better advertisement for the sport and there's no better advertisement for what international rugby league can be uh so long as we put the time in for it and as long as we sort of nurture this sort of this this flame that they've got going now yeah i could not agree with more um yeah it just was great to have a just great to have a world cup it's been so long um the last two have had great moments, but yeah, it's just a matter of yeah, making those moments count to something long term. And I really, really hope that we do see it. And I think we will. I really do think we will. I think a lot of people got into it and a lot of people will hopefully sort of in other countries will get more involved in rugby league as we move forward. But who the hell knows? Not me. Not you. Um, all right. That'll probably be about do us. Um, we will be back in a couple of days time we'll be kicking off our team by team preview so there'll be 17 of those uh this year um we'll have to find a knowledgeable broncos fan camper i don't know where we're going to do that um, i've never met one in my life exactly um but yeah uh we'll be back very very soon um i guess say goodbye mitchell goodbye mitchell and say goodbye campo bye guys and it's goodbye from me